Hello, I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall. Today, first of all, I want you to just look at the guests. Now, if you are listening to this on one of your favorite streaming platforms, you can watch us right now. This is one of those very special, very rare video slash audio versions of the podcast. You can go to my YouTube or my website, NajaHall.com, or just search, I know I'm crazy with Naja Hall, and look for the two girls in the blue dresses. <laughs> two very beautiful blue wearing brown skin sisters. So I have my old high school chum. She's not old. I mean, we go way, way, way back. And so let me just tell you about this guest, right? So I have Mrs. Kimberly Gaither here. Kimberly and I have known each other for over 20 years now. No, this is gonna age us a little. So Kim and I, we always had this mutual respect for one another because she was kind of like my glam sister. We didn't run in the same circles, but you know, I was like, okay, that girl, huh? You know, you gotta give respect where, where, where it's due, right? Hair always done. 10th, 11th, 12th grade, makeup immaculate. I don't know how we were doing it back then. We didn't have jobs, we didn't have no money, but we were doing it. So then I asked Kim to come on and speak to the I Know I'm Crazy audience because she has been so open with sharing her battle with cancer. And I don't know if I'm right in calling it a battle. Kimberly, please correct me if I'm wrong, but she's been sharing her experience with cancer. Yes. And I was, um posting in stories and she's been Kimberly's been open with sharing it uh for a very long time now and I'm gonna let her tell more of her story but Kimberly has been so open and transparent and vulnerable online with sharing something with all of us that she really didn't have to you know I see it as something extremely intimate something that would make a lot of people have a big sense of fear and be, even be afraid to open up to people I've watched Kim on Instagram and Facebook get married I've watched her become a wife. I've watched her beat breast cancer. I watched her get her twins removed and she's gonna tell us about that later. <laughs> I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. Kim, first of all, Kim, thank you so much for joining I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall today. How the heck are you today? Hey. Kim, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, inviting me on. This is such a blessing, such a wonderful experience. My first podcast ever. So thank you. Yes! <laughs> so Kim, everybody that comes on this particular podcast, and I never tell them before because I like to ambush people, because a podcast is called I Know I'm Crazy, because I personally have a lot of reasons why I'm crazy. I always like to ask our guests and put you on the spot and ask you, why the heck are you crazy? What makes Kim crazy like the rest of us? What makes me crazy is that I do what makes me happy. I do what I wanna do, no matter what other people say I should or shouldn't be doing. I just do me. And sometimes it airs on the side of uh, ghetto or bougie <laughs> or, crazy or wild but it's all me so i can definitely say it's genuinely me that that's what makes me crazy <laughs> you do you no matter what no matter how you perceive and i guess that does make you crazy in today's world when it's just safer for all of us to try to conform and fit in you're doing the opposite more power right. to you. so kim let's talk cancer because i think everybody that's probably listened to this either they have been indirectly or perhaps directly affected from it and 
I can think in the instances where it's indirectly affected my life. It just was like an immediate blow. It's hard to hear, but how was it? You know, what is it? And I don't want to phase a question the wrong way because I have 20 million questions and you all know how fast I can talk sometimes. But when you went to the doctor and they said, hey, this is what's going on in your body. What happened in your in your mind? Where was your head? So it, I was actually in the car getting ready to go into a store and I got the phone call. <laughs> and when the doctor said you have invasive ductal carcinoma, breast cancer, the first thing I thought was, I'm about to die. <laughs> I immediately thought that I was going to die. And I thought that it would be quick because my aunt passed away with breast cancer about seven years ago. And she didn't, she, she didn't live a year after she was diagnosed. So I immediately thought, you're about to die. What can you do in this short amount of time? And how can you make sure everyone else is going to be okay? So how many years ago was that? That was actually just one year ago. Oh. Yes, I was diagnosed March 19th of 2020, right when the pandemic was jumping off and I was being handed this diagnosis. So what made you go to the doctor in the first place? Because they always say, oh, you know, when you turn 40, which you are not 40, um, you know, go and have a, a mammogram. So what made you go? Well, I was in the airport and my hands were cold and I had on a sports bra and my jacket and I put my hands like right under my arms and I felt a lump. And the lump was just recently there because I always do self exams because I wasn't 40 yet. So I would do my own exams. So when I felt the lump, I almost immediately knew what it was. I was hoping for the best, but I was really preparing for the worst. How did you know? Because of your aunt? No, I knew because so many times I had gone to the doctor thinking that I felt a lump. But when you, when you have the tumor in your breast, you, it feels so different. It almost feels like if you were to take your hand and rub it across your knuckle, that's what it felt like under my skin. So I knew it wasn't what like the typical tissue or just dense tissue. I knew it was something. So all of a sudden, one day you're like, hey, there's something in there mm -hmm. and it's different. You made the doctor's appointment and they called you with the news. Yes. And you immediately, you're like, this is a death sentence. I'm out of here. R.I.P. <laughs> Yeah, let me do my bucket list. <laughs> Listen, I'm just like, okay, how much time do I have? I need to go ahead and do everything right quick because I'm about to die and, and it's going to be fast. So what does a woman do when she thinks it's about to be over in a couple of fortnights? What do you, what do you want to do? What do you tell yourself that you have to do? Well, honestly, I was more so thinking about what I would do to prepare my husband and what I would do to prepare my family because we are a very tight-knit family and we spend a lot of time together. So my mind was so focused on what can I do to make this a little bit easier? I know it's not going to be easy, but what can I do to make it easier for nothing? <laughs> right. Like nothing. You could nothing. Right. But so that, that was my thought. In in that immediate moment. So you probably did not go into the store. You're like, all right, let me just sit here. Who were yeah. you with that day? My Thank mom. 
I was with my mom. Yes. And I, I, I did not tell my mom that anything was going on until I was going for the biopsy. The day before I went to the biopsy, for the biopsy, I told her that I had a lump in my breast and I was going to have a biopsy the next day because I didn't want her to worry like I was worrying as it took about a month for them to give me my diagnosis between the diagnostic mammograms, um, ultrasounds, biopsy, breast exam, mm -hmm. all of that. So I didn't want her to worry like I was worrying. I did not know. It's a, it takes an entire month for the, from the time you make the appointment until you get a diagnosis. It, it took a month for me. It was every week it was something else that they wanted to do before they told me okay. this is breast cancer. Okay. So when they called you, they you, you said some sort of name that I don't even know, carcinoma. Um, did they tell you what stage you said advanced. So what does that mean? So invasive ductal carcinoma means that it's, um, and it's, it was triple negative. So that means that it was the most aggressive breast cancer. That meant that they definitely needed to do chemo. It was not one of those breast cancers that, you know, they would just do a maltreatment and then see what happens. This is very aggressive. If not caught quickly, it is life-threatening so, okay so yes. moment, you're like okay so my life is going to change yes what do you do do you quit your job do you say i'm gonna move to and go to like what do you do in that moment because i guess I'm, i want to frame to the audience people that have never had something to jolt their life in a completely opposite direction what did you do like what's the first thing you started to do to say okay i'm gonna have to go and have chemotherapy so when, when my mom and I were in the car and she I immediately started crying and told her that I had breast cancer. So she took me back to my parents' house because I was parked there um, for us to spend a day of shopping together. Yeah. And um, my dad was at home. So I busted in the door. I'm like, dad, I have breast cancer. <laughs> it's not funny. I don't know why we're laughing. Because it was so dramatic. It was, it was such a stage play. It was like, daddy. It was like, mama, I want to sing. But it was like, dad, I got breast cancer. <laughs> and he was just like, whoa, calm down. Wait a minute come here. And I literally got in my dad's lap and he was rocking me like a baby and said, wait a minute, chill out. <laughs> he was like, you're not about to die. He's a, you know, whatever the doctor says that we need to do, we're going to go ahead and do it. And I don't know what it was about my dad saying that to me in that moment, but I literally was like, you're right. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm still alive. Wait. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I was like, let me reel it back in. And I literally, I may have cried maybe um, on and off between telling people. I may have cried a few times that day. But after that day, I did not cry about anything else as far as breast cancer was concerned. Why not? Because I really felt like I was going to beat it. And um, one of my friends told me, whatever you do, don't stress. Yeah. So in saying that, I thought, okay, so whatever they tell me, I'm going to see it as a step that I have to take. 
I'm going to do my very best to conquer that step and I'm not going to trip on it. So that's what I did from that time forward, no matter what they told me. So then you get the diagnosis that day, you and mom and dad have your stage play. And then when does treatment start? What's the plan of action here to get this out of your body? So at first they said that they wanted to do a lumpectomy where they would just go in and take the tumor out. And initially they just saw two tumors in and they were right next to each other. So it wasn't going to be a major, a major deal as far as that's concerned. But then right before I started chemo, they saw another tumor and decided that they would change the plan from instead of having a lumpectomy that they would do a mastectomy and remove the breast. So, so the plan was that I would have eight rounds of chemo, they would do a mastectomy, and then they said that they would do radiation. And that was cool with me. I'm like, okay, whatever. You like that's but, the main plan, okay. Right, I'm like, okay. But then I did so well with chemo that they said, well, you know what? Never mind, we won't do radiation. We'll do the mastectomy and you'll be done. And I was like, okay, cool. Works for me. I didn't care what we had to do. Um, when they said that they were removing my breast, I was like, let's do both of them. Let's just let's just start over <laughs> with yeah. the breast. Yeah. And I was fine with whatever they said I had to do. So then you get this plan. Okay, cool. You went ahead and had the mastectomy, correct? <clears throat> I did. Okay. And so then where are we today? So strange enough. Okay. I went through eight rounds of chemo. Sorry, Kim. Cause what is a round of chemo? Like you sit there in the chair and they put this, um, IV in you and they pump it through you. Is that how it goes? Yes. But it's not an IV in your arm. They put a port in and you can still see where my scar, Oh, I see. they put this thing under your skin and that's where they draw your blood. That's where they do the infusion, everything that has to be done. They do it through this, the port that's in your chest. So they're not having to stick you and use an IV every single time. Cause I guess no. you, so you were dealing with a lot of needles, but through the yes. port. Yes. Okay. And that would last, I would be at the hospital sometimes between six to eight hours. So they're putting this chemical in you for six to eight hours? Yes. <sighs> yes. Did you all know that? Everybody out there listening, did you all? I didn't know that, Kim. Yes. Yes. So then... it, would, it was a long, drawn out. It was my entire day. So then you were probably just taking work with you or taking your laptop or meeting. Absolutely friends. nothing. I was, I was done with work. I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested. I'm just trying to live. I'm focusing all of my sights on beating cancer. Oh, I didn't oh, care yeah. about a job or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So then you would sit there for this six, six to eight hours. Um, you know, I've always read that after cancer, after radiation, chemo, uh, there's other effects, adverse effects that can happen to the body. Did you experience any of those? I did. Um, of course, I lost my hair. I didn't lose my eyebrows. Thank you, Jesus. And they are snatched, girl. <laughs> but I definitely lost all of the hair on my head. Uh, and I didn't have any nausea or anything like that. I had a little bit of bone pain because they give you this treatment, um, this injection to help with your white blood cells. Mm -hmm. So 
they gave me that and that would make my bones ache a little bit. But the most difficult side effect that I suffered was, um, and this is not gonna sound really major, but it, for me at the time it was major. I would have flares in my hands and feet of itching. Yes, they would, I couldn't stand, um, towards the end of my chemo, I could not stand for more than a few minutes because if I did, my feet would start itching so bad. And it was like, I was like a dog with fleas itching like scratching I'm sure you're not supposed to scratch because you can really scratch your skin off yes exactly exactly so I had that but it was only towards the end and again it it was itching feet and hands so itching is annoying though that is like, it's very annoying but you can't do anything about it it's literally in your skin under your skin right right trying to go out and shop and all of a sudden your feet start itching you're like Okay. Yes. So let's talk about the hair loss because okay. you are an ultra glam woman. I'm sitting here looking at you today, like super glam, like effortless. Because I know, and by the way, before we started recording, she told me that she had her 28th round of radiation today. And this girl is looking like this. So <laughs> um, not to spend so much time on looks because we're not super fit, superficial, but it's right. just it's just such a reflection of of your inner beauty and your inner strength. So, um, let's talk about the hair. You know, at what point do you, you know, come to terms with it? Because as women, especially as black women, our hair is a part of our identity. Some of us, you know, we see that as this is me. <sighs> did you come to terms with it early? Did you not care? How did you feel when that happened? I didn't care. They kept urging me to shave my head. Um, before chemo because the type of chemo that I was on it would start your hair to falling out very quickly so they kept after saying one or session or two sessions yeah after the first round of chemo my hair started coming out but it wasn't I had so much hair it was so thick to where you wouldn't even really notice it so I kept my hair literally until the last few strands were on my head. I look like Fire Marshal Field. <laughs> like, like little strings of hair. And I told my husband, I was like, okay, it's time. <laughs> You're like, it's time to let this go. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and let this go because it, there's nothing else here. Okay, okay. So that wasn't really like an emotional moment for you because you had reached a place of acceptance. Yes. Okay, okay. So now going back to the previous question, where are we today? How are you today? Where are you today in the process? So after going through all of that that I went through last year, um, the chemo, the double mastectomy, um, I had my exchange surgery, which is where they take the tissue expanders out and put the implants in. A month later, oh, I was- boobies. <laughs> Yes. A month after I did this surgery, I was diagnosed again. Can. yes so and wait a minute wait. yeah so you yeah. got because i remember seeing kim's post right and she was like okay twins are gone twin did you have implants before i uh, did okay so they took those implants out you like twins are gone and then i remember you said <laughs> call them the twins yes and i remember on the post when you're like going back in yeah okay so you got to enjoy them for the month and then you get diagnosed again. Yes, yes. So How did the second diagnosis come about? 
Well, I I thought that it was just um, because this time I could it felt it felt like a, a lump again, but this time it was like right on my skin. I could see it looking at my breast, and I thought that maybe it was something from the surgery, like um, scar tissue or something like that I, I had no idea that it was breast cancer you could not have thought in a million years that this is what this is again like right because they told me that i had less than a five percent chance of a recurrence for breast cancer so i was like what yeah so is it because they didn't do radio go ahead and do radiation no it actually ended up being they left the tumor in Oh, if I could scream or not. Because the tumor that was that they had to remove this past February, it had a clip in it. And the clip was from when they originally did the biopsy for the first tumors. So this was a tumor that was left over that they did not remove. So I'm doing this again because a tumor was left behind. So this is not like, oh, this, um, cause you know, I hear about it reoccurring and being aggressive. This isn't a very reoccurring aggressive situation. This is somebody not doing their damn job. No shade yeah. because I appreciate everybody that's, you know, working on you. I ask that God cover their hands, but yes. So are yes. you going to the same medical team or? No. So this time I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Atlanta. <laughs> doing my treatment. How does one pay for treatments? Cause it's very expensive. I mean, like how are you, were you in Atlanta the first time? No, I was in Memphis the first time. Cause Obamacare only works for where, that state that you are in. So Correct. how does one pay for treatments? So first let me say cancer treatment is so expensive. The surgery, the, surgery that I had to do my double mastectomy um, and reconstruction was $120,000 is what the insurance was billed. Thankfully, I didn't have to pay all of it, but for one day of hospital stay, I had $120,000 worth of medical bills on top of about $60,000 for my chemotherapy and the diagnostic mammograms and all of that other stuff. So again, I had pretty good insurance. Of course, I had to pay my deductible, yeah, which can be very expensive, but it wasn't like having to pay the whole 100%. Now, while I'm here, my insurance is paying for my treatment here, but I'm going to um, Cancer Treatment Centers of America and thankfully they fly me yeah and they fly me um they flew me down and put me in a hotel um they pay about 75 percent of my hotel stay i only have to pay a small percentage and i don't have to pay for my flights at all so cancer treatment centers of america you get flewed out i didn't know they work like that i've only seen the commercials right and I thought when I, cause I had seen the commercials and I originally thought that it was just for people who were like in their end stage of cancer treatment, you know, people who aren't doing very well. And this is like your last result, no last resort, but no, it's not that it is 
truly for all types of cancers, all stages. And it is the most wonderful facility that I have ever been in. Even my, they drive me back and forth to the hospital every day, drive me to the restaurant, to stores, wherever I want to go, they take me. It is amazing. And insurance, well, 75% is covered and what is not covered, insurance covers. Yes. Wow. But I don't have to pay like the, um, my transportation, my flight, all of that. I don't have to pay for any of that. Is this a service that is, and I'm asking all these detailed questions because, you know, this disease, the, looking at the statistics is going to indirectly or, di- or directly affect all of us. And so I hope that everyone listening to this just takes this information in, even if you have to just tell it to someone, a, a stranger on the street, um, who's who's told you about their diagnosis so then they're taking care of everything you're in a comfortable space mm-hmm. they're going to have they already moved forward with the surgery does your partner share kids with a loony are your stepkids driving you up a wall is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries well vip stepmom is where you need to be we're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, Stepmoms, that's you and me. Yes, so I had my surgery to remove the tumor that was left behind. I had that in February. And then I started radiation in April. So wait a minute. What about the breast implants? The new twins? They're still in. They're good. No issues with those. And the only (laughs) other surgery that I'll have to have is because when they remove the lump, um, of course, they remove a lot of tissue. Mm-hmm. So instead of having this beautiful round breast on this, on my right side, I have like, it's like a little skinny mini. So now <laughs> I have to have another surgery to put more fat um, into my breast, which okay. is good because yeah. they, they can take it from my stomach, my waist. I, I would like for them to take it from my back rows <laughs> and, and just like, have their way. You like, take it from wherever y'all pick a spot. <laughs> Do work. <laughs> Kim, how do you have such a positive attitude right now? Well, because honestly, um, to me, this entire experience has been a blessing. Um, When I did chemo last year, my dad went with me to every single chemotherapy appointment and almost just about all of my appointments because he's like, well, your husband is working, need him to continue to work because we're using his insurance. So we're going to let him go to work and I'll take care, take care of it because my dad is retired. So that was probably the first time ever in life that I got a chance to spend just time with my dad without my brothers, without my mom or my nephews. It was just a one-on-one time. So I got a lot of time to learn about stories about his youth and about my uncles and aunts, my grandfather, my grandmother, all of these different things that I had never heard of before. And me and my dad became so much tighter. And now I'm a dad's girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that is, that is my Superman. But 
that experience brought us so much closer together. We would be laughing and cutting up in chemo and people would be like, are you all here to visit someone or are you all, is somebody a patient? patient. Like, yeah, I'm a patient. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was such a good experience. And then with my surgery and my recovery, it gave me an opportunity to really see how my, how strong my village was because there were so many people around me that were uplifting me and checking in on me. And this is during the pandemic. So everybody had their own crap to deal with. And everyone was just so loving and, and just really looked out for me. And I just thought, man, I've been given this opportunity and cancer, but I've been given this opportunity to really, really examine my life for what it is. Um, and it's beautiful, you know, all of the things that I took for granted, um, my relationship with my family, my friends, getting up in the morning, feeling good, all of those things I took for granted, I really appreciate now. I have such an amazing life. Um, even the things that are not amazing are still amazing because they're mine and I get to experience them. Um, I'm just so blessed. And then now um, I've, I've been an encourager for my entire life. I'm always like, you know, if you need a cheerleader, just call me. And now this breast cancer season, because it's only a season, but this season of breast cancer has allowed me to have a, a platform to help other people. I've met so many people like my dad hands out my number to who if somebody has breast cancer he's like call my daughter Woo, <laughs> my mom my husband <laughs> Dude, I'm like, call my daughter like, Random oh, people calling you yeah Yo, your daddy gave me your number exactly hey how you doing i got breast cancer i'm like okay <laughs> what do you need help with but this whole experience has just really really opened my eyes to how wonderfully blessed I am. Um, and, and then the little side effects that I have endured have just been so minor, you know? In my opinion, anything that I look on, like people were really just stressed out about the pandemic. And I understand, I, I have family members and friends and I, I know lots of people who really went through it. Yeah. But the blessing for those of us who made it through it is that we're still here and we were given an opportunity to live it up still, you know? I mean, look at you. You are, I look at your page all the time and I'm just like, look at my girl, Naja, out here living it up. You know, Memphis girl living this New yeah. York City life, moving and shaking. How awesome is that? Like we, life is so good. It's so good. And this season has just really opened my eyes to how wonderful it is. Mm. I mean, my life is, it's amazing. Even this situation here, I only had to pay a portion of a hotel stay. What I stay, what I had to pay for six weeks because I've been here for six weeks mm -hmm. what I've had to pay for six weeks has been what most people pay for like the weekend you know wow. all week I mean, it's amazing I don't have to worry about any hope like any hospital 
stays or getting back and forth to the hospital, that's mm-hmm. covered. They don't even bill my insurance for the transportation. They don't bill my insurance for flying me out. That's all covered by the hospital. That's no fee to me at all. Is that something that they do for everybody or are you VIP? No, they actually do it for <laughs> everyone. And, and it's crazy because one of my good friends is actually, he um, works for CTCA, but it has nothing to do with it. It is what they do for all of their patients because they really want you to be taken care of. I have a nutritionist with this, um, with my treatment here. I have a naturopath doctor and they really push supplements and eating different things and the holistic way of treating yourself. They're not all, let me give you this medicine or let me give you this treatment. It is, they, they really try to treat your entire body and they do a combination of um, Western medicine and Eastern medicine, you know? So it is just, it's amazing. And all of this is an experience that I get to enjoy because of breast cancer. Mm. So question. Because I know that you went into, after you had your moment, you went into this looking at the end. You're like, all right, I can see the end of this situation. Not the end of your life, but you're like, all right, so this is going to be a season. Right. What's next? After this season is done, because we're all planning for the end of this season. So what's next? What is Cam going to do next? So I really want to work more um, with breast cancer patients. I want to redefine the look of breast cancer. Most of the time when I think of people who have breast cancer, I automatically think of someone who looks sickly and weak and tired and someone who's kind of downtrodden. I'm not that. I haven't been that my entire time. The first time I went through breast cancer or this second time. So I want people to see that you can beat it and you can beat it fabulously. You know, you can be positive the entire time because I really do believe that a positive mindset is what will make you either succumb to cancer or beat it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're stressed out, if you're thinking the worst, it's going to be bad. Mm -hmm. But if your mind can control your body and say, listen, this is like, for instance, this is 28 rounds of radiation supposed to burn you, supposed to have you so tired and, you know, not feeling your best. But my mind says, what am I going to wear to radiation tomorrow? (laughs) That's my focus. What look am I going to give them? You know, that's, that's what I'm focused on and focused on the end of all of this stuff, because I want to be an advocate for breast cancer patients. What do you say to the woman, the breast cancer patient that is feeling the effects of chemo it's it is making her ill she can't keep food down um her mind is starting to be affected because she's feeling hopeless or maybe doctors have even told her we don't have a we don't foresee this is going to end well for you what do you say to that person well i first say if you can't do the research get someone that you love to do some research because I've met so many patients um, and I meet so many patients that were given six months to live or some said six weeks to live. And here it is like two and three years later that they're still living and doing great. So when you decide that, or when you start to feel hopeless or helpless, you have to start kind of saying, okay, 
maybe they're not right because not all the time I, I have I had a, a tumor left over because you are living proof then you know because a doctor wasn't right they didn't do everything that needed to be done so you have to think of well what if they're wrong yes. what if I do live another 20 years 40 years 60 years you know what what if they're wrong I can't start planning on the things that okay they're saying I'm gonna die so let me just get ready to die because yeah. you're you're doing one or two things you're either living or you're dying and you have to make the decision on which one you want to do and even people that are not diagnosed with cancer can be dying they could be in the act of dying you know stressing themselves out mm. not taking care of their bodies you can do that without having a diagnosis and be in the active participation of dying don't give up sometimes it seems so scary because i i was scared <laughs> i was so you scared. don't look like it you don't sound like it but i know you were i was extremely mm -hmm. scared and then um the chemotherapy uh, regimen that I was on is one of the most brutal ones. The nickname of one of the chemotherapy drugs that I had to take was called Red Devil. Oh, yes, it was cute. bright red. Even when you and and I, this is going to be disgusting, but even when you went to use the restroom, your urine was bright red. That's how toxic this stuff was. Oh. So reading all of that and looking online and seeing youtube videos of people that were just not doing well i could have said oh you know I'm, I'm about to do so terribly let me just prepare to be in bed for the next four months but i didn't um it's all in your mind i can't say that enough when you start to feel helpless or hopeless do whatever it is that you have to do to make yourself happy um, if you need to eat something that you're not really supposed to eat or if you need to go somewhere or you want to talk to somebody or spend time with someone that can really brighten your mood do that thing because once you lose your mind um, and decide to go negative, even if you have a positive diagnosis, even if they're saying that you're only stage one, we're expecting you to live forever, never have cancer again. Mm -hmm. If you think negatively about that, you can really spread cancer through your body and end up being a stage four cancer patient with very few days to live. Mm. So those negative yeah. thoughts, you know, there's one of my favorite books called The Battlefield of the Mind. Mm -hmm. It talks about how those negative thoughts can really permeate every cell of your body. Other yes. people, you know, it just it permeates you and it spreads. And like you yes. said, and just placing the emphasis on stress. Yes. Stress is known to be a trigger um, to sometimes not saying it's the onset of cancer. Right. But certain diseases. Yes. No, but we see that stress can literally affect and infect every single area of your life, your body, your finances, your spirit, your relationships, all of that. So yes. how do you keep the stress in order though? Because it's a stressful thing, I would think. But how do you, how do you keep it in order, Kim? I literally made up my mind not to stress out about anything. And I don't, and, and I, I say, I keep saying this because I know sometimes people look at me and say, well, you don't have anything to stress about. And I do, I, there are a lot of opportunities
opportunities for stress in my life, but I have just made the conscious decision not to stress over anything. I will not allow anything to get in my mind that's going to bring me to a, a low place. Um, stress is like gasoline to a fire mm. when it comes to cancer. And you can literally kill yourself by stressing. Okay, so Kim, what do you do? I want to give them some tangible Kim advice on things to do. You know, when you feel stress coming, you like, pew, I'm running the other way. What's, what are some tangible things? So um, I love to shop. Shopping makes me happy. <laughs> If I feel like I'm in a space where I'm down and, and I'm not saying shopping as far as spending thousands of dollars, I can literally go to the Dollar Tree and spend five dollars and be so happy and so pleased with myself. So I, I shop or I get up and get out of the house. I get some fresh air. Um, I make myself up if I'm feeling like um, not, you know, because cancer can really change your looks. Mm. And in order to make myself feel good, sometimes I'm like, oh, let me just get up and put some makeup on. Let me throw a wig on. Let me put on a tight dress. Hey! <laughs> you know, I get sometimes my husband comes home and he's like, where are you going? Where like, have you been? Exactly. Like, <laughs> nowhere this is all just for the house yeah. so I do things like that I watch funny movies that don't make sense at all you know I I, I really just I do those small things I eat what I want to eat you know I'm a for the most part I eat pretty clean but if I'm in a mood or feeling like you know mm, my day is kind of feeling sucky. I'm going to get in some ice cream. I'm going to eat a brownie. I'm going to do, <laughs> I'm doing that. Right. Nobody can make yourself. me not do it. I'm just going to do those little small things. And it doesn't take a lot of money all the time. Sometimes it's just a little small thing, getting on a, on a video call, FaceTime with your friends or whatever. Those small things that make me happy, I do them immediately. I don't wait until I'm all the way down in the dumps. If I feel like, okay, some stress is coming, I'm like, okay, whoop, time out. Let me go. Let me get out the house. Let me redirect and let me exactly. be intentional about interrupting this bad thought. Yes. What about therapy, spirituality? How has that helped you out during this time? Well, it has been amazing. I have, um, I started meditating about two years ago. And I say that the things that I did two years ago really prepared me for my cancer diagnosis because I would joke with my family and say, I'm turning into a hippie because I'm all love and light. And, you know, I'm doing my meditation. I'm just, I'm inhaling all the positivity, exhaling all of the negativity. And that has really changed the game for me. Um, I am very spiritual, um, not so much religious. I used to be very religious. I was all about, you know, I'm Christian, I'm go, you know, and I still go to church. I still do all of those things, but my focus is more so on my relationship with God and my relationship with a higher power and those things that are going to ground me. I'm not looking at the rule book like, okay, well, say I can't do this, so I guess I ain't going to do it. That's not my concern. My total focus is, you know, what can I do to be better? What can I do to treat people better? Um, 
what what ways can I in, enlarge my territory? Which ways can I um, help someone else's life flourish? Because it's not even all about me. I really gain a lot of my joy from helping people and seeing people, seeing other people prosper. Um, I like to feel sometimes like, you know what, I did that. I, I helped her when she was figuring that she couldn't do it. Remember, I sent her a message and was like, girl, this is a great idea. You should do this or do that. I love doing that. Yeah. So my meditating morning and night has been amazing. Um, really getting to know myself um, because that's important. Um, knowing who you are and then knowing what triggers you. Um, like I said a second ago, if I see that something is coming that's a trigger, then I can immediately say, okay, this is something that I struggle with. Let me, let me figure out how to stop doing this because I have I always say, since I've been a child, I've had two pressure points, disrespect and embarrassment. <laughs> Those two things will bring out the North Memphis in me, okay? <laughs> they will do it. But since I know that, I'm just well, like, okay, exactly. I'm like, okay, Kim, calm down, you know, bring right. it all in. And, and I avoid all of that type, all of the things that would make me be the person that I don't want to be anymore that I have been. The old me is gone. I'm all about forward progression and really living a happy, healthy and prosperous life because I ain't tripping. I'm not, I'm not one of these people that's like, I don't, I don't need this. I like stuff. I like yeah. nice things. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I you like nice that things. about yourself. You know, so I, it's, it's something very important that you said is, you know, it's one thing to be able to revert from a trigger, but you have identified your triggers and you've even yes. been able to identify when you can smell them coming. Cause normally you can smell a trigger from a mile away or mm -hmm. you can see it getting ready to charge at you. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to go that way. Yes. I don't like who I become when I feel triggered. And we all triggers yes. are called triggers for a reason because they set off like a downward spiral, if you yes. will. And so it's good that you've been able to just recognize, I right, mm -hmm. let me go that way before, exactly. like, you know what, before North Memphis Cam comes out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got both girls from Memphis. And by the way, we did not plan on this blue. We didn't. We, we did like we did not plan. When I when we hopped on this zoom we both just looked at each other and laughed <laughs> we're like really exactly like the same dress yeah, like same dress like really quick kill <laughs> when, when your when your video came up i was like wait hair is not straight like, <laughs> and i was like dang i thought i straightened my hair right. <laughs> i'm tripping off of that yes that's so amazing so i feel like you have coaching in your very near future. I can see Coach Kim or, and some of your specialties would be breast cancer, mindset, um, positivity. Like I could totally see Coach Kim in your very near future. And I, mean, I can see you, I can see Coach Naja coaching Coach Kim. Girl, you know, Kim, all you gotta do is call me. First session on me, honey. First session is on Don't me. You know, I am so play. happy to help. Yes, your attitude is one that is entire, entirely infectious. And I think the thing that makes a really great coach or a minister or um, an energy giver is the ability to be transparent without mm -hmm. fear. And yes. you, my friend, have 
embodied that and been such an amazing example. And, you know, I, I understand your mindset now, I understand why you can so lovingly share with us all something that you've already conquered. You, they just haven't given you the paperwork yet, but this is done. You're like, this is done. We're planning on what's next. On to the next. <laughs> on to the next. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm so happy that you have sat here with me today, sat with us today. I know you just started an, um, an Instagram page specifically dedicated to your experience. So share the Instagram with everybody um, so that they can find you and follow you. Okay, thank you. It's K Nicole Brand Inc. K N I C O L E B R A N D I N C. Yeah. And you'll see me shimmying and shaking throughout every doctor's appointment, <laughs> dancing and grooving. Yes. I'm so thankful that you shared this with us because, you know, I don't know if you had a mentor or somebody to kind of pull you into the positive cancer experience because, you know, can you see so many times when you get news like this, you'll go online and you'll see all these dim stories or all these people being completely pessimistic. And so, like you said, you are changing the face and the outlook, no matter what stage, no matter what diagnosis a person gets. Yes. And I, I, I thank you for giving me this opportunity yes. because I want to like my whole thought is just to encourage people and uplift them and inspire them to be a cancer thriver, not a cancer sufferer or cancer patient. Like I'm a cancer survivor, thriver, slayer. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me. This has been so awesome. Of course, talking to my girl, Naja is always a blessing, always the best. But thank you for allowing me to come into your territory and share my story. You know, this was your, I, had you not told me, I would have not known that this was your first podcast. Kim, you killed it, sis. You killed it. Hey. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. Please go and stop by Kim's page. Let her know that you heard her here. Send her some positive words and she will send you some back. I will see you guys and I will talk to you every other Tuesday on your favorite streaming platform. I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall signing out. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm doing crazy. I know I'm crazy. Not your heart.